presented by the Hockey Shop. Source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Darren Millard, along with the co-founders of In Goal Magazine, David Hutchison, looking svelte, ready for Christmas, and Kevin Woodley, wired like you would not believe, because we have a great show for you today. We are going to visit the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, Source for Sports Surrey, hang out with Cam, talk a little pants action. Uh, we play dress up in the the uh, goalie utopia. That's what we're going to do today is uh, our gear segment revolves around the CCM access pants and our feature interview brought to you by sense arena VR is a hockey hall of famer and one of Hutch and I's early idols. It's Bernie Perrant. And uh, we've been uh, kind of lurking in the shadows, just hanging out, putting out feelers every now and then to see when we could talk to Bernie. And on episode 99, we get Bernie Perrant, Hutch. How excited were we to get on with Bernie? And uh, I, I think what what's a ninety nine plus? We got to get to the summer with maybe thirty. I think we're gonna have about episode one forty, one fifty live streamed from Bernie's fishing boat too. Right, right. I mean, what greatest guy on the planet? Two minutes into the interview, not even into the interview, and he's invited us to go fishing on his boat in in uh, in Jersey. So pretty pretty excited. And, uh, and I, I remember where I was when they went, won their first cup and I've been a fan, I've always been a fan of his and, uh, almost from the day we started the pod, we started putting the feelers out, like you said, and super excited that we were able to make it happen. And, and as one of the guys around episode 100, I think it's really fitting that we've got a hall of famer here. I think it's now our second hall of famer on the show after we had uh, Glenn Hall a couple summers ago as well. Yeah. Super exciting. Yeah, it's a fascinating conversation. Stick around for it uh, because we talk about his uh, early days as a goaltender, and he is a fantastic storyteller. We go through the Stanley Cup uh, days, uh, who kind of got him back on the path and uh, righted the ship for him as a goaltender. And then we kind of touch on the alumni game and talk about an awesome story there when he stepped on the ice uh, for the outdoor game against the New York Rangers. Uh, So we're looking forward to that. we also want to talk about uh, Source for Sports Surrey, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, as they complete the stretch drive up to Christmas. Yeah, it's um, probably a little late to get Christmas gifts unless you actually live here in Vancouver. By the time you hear this, you will be into panic mode as a Christmas shopping <laughs> goaltender or shopping for a goaltender. Um, so unless you're in Vancouver, probably going to be too late for orders, but it's never too it's never too soon to start looking for Boxing Day savings, and there's going to be some big ones at the Hockey Shop and thehockeyshop.com. Uh, there'll be big discounts uh, across the board on lots of different items, but a couple in particular right off the hop. There's going to be big savings on the Bauer Supreme 2S Pro Chest Protector, a model that we've tested and really like for its combination of protection, uh, fit, in terms of the way it fills out the net. And once you get it broken in after a couple skates, mobility as well. And the other big one, how about this? Eflex 4.5 senior pads. Buy the leg pads. Get the glove and blocker for free. Dun, dun, dun. That's a pretty big savings. There's going to be lots more. So make sure you check out the Hockey Shop, Source for Sports and thehockeyshop.com. Boxing Day sale. Um, perfect place. Like Make sure when you set up for... Boxing Day and the World Juniors being on TV and finally a taste of live hockey, both in Canada on TSN and in the States on the NHL Network, bring your laptop with you. 
go to thehockeyshop.com. Save some money while you watch hockey. I can't think of a better way to spend Boxing Day um, curled up on the couch, definitely wearing pajamas with an elastic waistband after the big turkey dinner the night before, watching hockey and saving on goalie gear. No better place to do it than the Hockey Shop Source for Sports and thehockeyshop.com. I don't know whether your ears were burning earlier today, but the goaltender that plays at the other end when I skate, uh, Dusty, took a couple of hard ones uh, up high and was just uh, vicious about his upper body equipment, how it's just broken down, worn down, it's old. And I said, go to In Goal Magazine, check out the gear reviews and watch two guys in chesties uh, with Woodley and Cam. And he was like, two guys in chesties? So I filled him in on everything. And he's that's what he was going to do after our skate to get all the gear review because he was talking about how uh, the problem, what's held him back lately from from getting a new uh, upper body piece was it was so, so stiff that you have to to squirt the water with a straight arm. Remember we were talking about the, the coffee test about being able to lift a cup? I said, you got to watch Woody and Cam. It's uh, it's outstanding. So uh, really, uh, that that is awesome what you guys are doing with the gear reviews and the uh, the gear segments on Ingle Radio, the podcast. But being able to have that conversation with somebody uh, made me feel a lot smarter and a little more useful. Well, it's good. I mean, it's good to know because as much as it was your idea and it was a great idea to, you know, just casually drink coffee or water or whatever while wearing the chest to show that we could do it. The truth is most of the time we could see that range of motion because Cam was just like scratching something, his ear or his head or whatever. Like the guys, <laughs> I don't know, we might need to give him some anti-dandruff shampoo or something. He's always scratching it's that. Probably his so ear make sure you check out. Yeah, we make sure you check him out uh, in particular. Uh, check out Cam. All those reviews are available on our on our YouTube channel. They're attached to these episodes of the podcast. If you go to the the page on inglemag.com and scroll down, you'll have each week's segment, the video simulcast, as I call it. Uh, IGTV, YouTube, check it out. Um, we have a lot of fun making fun of Cam. I might take, I might be the brunt of a few jokes myself, uh, but we have a good time and we educate you on gear as well. So I'm, I'm glad to hear it actually paid off for somebody, Darren. I have a real life question coming up uh, after today's gear segment when you guys uh, look at the uh, Axis pants. And it was Hutch that turned me on to this. And I'm really curious about it. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit. You know, remember it was a couple of weeks ago when the Pro Return sticks were in? And the Henrik Lundqvist twigs were available. And we were all gaga over being able to potentially use one of those sticks with that grip. Little did we know that uh, Henrik Lundqvist sticks weren't going to be used at all in this upcoming season. Uh, Opting out because of the heart ailment, unable to play with the Washington Capitals. uh, That story broke right after we taped last week's episode. Now, a week later, uh, we must dive into what or if any reaction the Washington Capitals will have, Woody, to Henrik Lundqvist not being available. And first off, just obviously, like the entire hockey world, our thoughts go out to Henrik and his family. And and as they get try and get through this time, it was that was such a that was such big news. The podcast last week had already been recorded and already been uploaded. It was done. But that news broke literally an hour afterwards. And you almost felt like you almost needed to redo it, right? Like it was that big of a bombshell. And not just because he's a superstar. But for us, I think because of the person and because of how good he's been to us over the years as a person, so kind, uh, with so charitable with his time, answering emails in the off season, like he has been 
so good to us, not just when he first got started, but you know, as he became a superstar in the NHL and a guy we all cheered for just because of his intensity, his passion for the game, but he shared that passion for the position, whether it was talking about the sticks and how, why he had that grip. Uh, first time, I think we had one of the first interviews with him on the Lundquist loop. Like, like think about that little heel loop behind your skate and running your bootstrap through there. Like that's, that's like a go-to that every goalie knows now. But I remember way back in, in like 2012 talking to him, might've even been earlier and having him explain it to us in the first time, first time I'd ever seen it anywhere. First time I'd ever seen it explained and taking the time to really walk us through the whys and, and how he did it and why he did it. And I got the date wrong. I think it's actually well before then. It's when they cut down the top of the pads anyways. Um, so yeah, just thinking about, thinking about him and hoping we get a chance to see him again. And in the meantime, for the Caps, I'm really fascinated to see which way this goes. They've got a team full of veterans. They're not that far removed from a Stanley Cup. They want to compete. So you would think that they might look at some of the names that are out there. Obviously, Ryan Miller, I think we think will stay in California, but Craig Anderson, Jimmy Howard, guys with NHL experience. But I mean, you know, they're not Henrik Lundqvist, right? And, you know, I do know from the goalie coaching department side of things that there was a, I wouldn't say a push, but there was a thought and it was shared with management that, hey, like, I really think we could go into this season with Ilya Samsonov and, and Vitek Vanacek and Phoenix Copley as our goalies. And obviously that changed when Henrik became available and, and willing to play on a $1.5 million ticket. But if it's not Henrik Lundqvist, a guy who's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, does that conversation now carry more weight in terms of, you know, we're good. You know, we don't, we don't necessarily need that veteran. So fascinating because the team dynamic plays a lot into that. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, which way they go based on input from both the goalie department and ultimately what management thinks this team needs. And I just think that a lot of people out there assume it's a slam dunk. They got to have a veteran presence. And, and I think maybe that underestimates some of the young talent or some of the you know, some of the talent they have behind Ilya Samsonov on that team as well. Do you see, before Hutch jumps in here, do you see signing a free agent if they do go that other direction or a trade? Trades are harder because they don't have the cap space to handle. Like that's what made Lundquist work in Washington. They were capped out and he was willing to play on a team he thought could be competitive and kept him geographically close to New York. My understanding is as he was skating, all that time here in the in in the lead up the weeks before this announcement, he was commuting back and forth. So he was able to do that in Washington, right? And willing to sign at that price. You know, you can't go out and trade for a $4 million goaltender in Washington because they just don't have the cap space. So uh, that makes it tougher, at least now, maybe at the deadline, this is a different conversation. But right now, I think it's more of a, you know, like the options that are out there and they're good options. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm actually a big Jimmy Howard fan and I think there's still something there. Um, we've talked about Craig Anderson and how incredibly he reads the game. One of the best in the league at that. Uh, Ryan Miller, like I said, I think ends up in California with the Ducks still. But it's just, you know, I, I, I just know that there was that thought process within the goalie department, even before Lundquist signed, that we have the horses to do this internally. We don't necessarily need to make a signing. So uh, it's not a slam dunk. I'd love to see them, Hutch, go with two kids. Just to take me back to the, Fear and Moog days and, and just riding, having a great team and riding two kids. I think it'd be awesome if they went with a couple of kids. But I mean, even if they do that, as we were talking about earlier, uh, depth is going to be so incredibly important this year, isn't it? And so somebody has to join the organization. 
And because uh, they've got to fill those spots, whether they're carrying three guys at the NHL level, possibly four, uh, as as they're able to do now with the taxi squad, um, somebody's going to have to go in there. And I'm fascinated to see who it is. I, I my betting would be that it it ends up being a veteran. Just it's one of those moves where you know you bring a kid in. If it doesn't go well, they're going to criticize you for not making making a move. If you bring a veteran in, at least it's sort of a safe play. And uh, and you've certainly got that experience in the locker room as well to help the young guy who's who's taking over this year. So uh, that's my bet. But it's going to be fascinating to see what happens there. And then you know, a couple other teams, as we said, we're expecting Anaheim will will have Ryan Miller back. We're expecting to see Corey Schneider land on the island. But these things haven't happened yet. So we've still got some some interesting times ahead of us, guys. Yeah, two kids right now in Washington and Phoenix Copley, uh, the guy that has played in the National Hockey League before but didn't at all last year. We'll see what direction they go and uh, what direction teams go in when it comes to training camp uh, this year. We know it's going to be a 56-game schedule slated to start on January 13th. Uh, Training camps are open to 36 skaters and unlimited goaltenders. But when it comes time to launch the season on January 13th, teams are allowed maximum 23 players on the roster and then a four- to six-player taxi squad you are required at least three goaltenders on the roster. You can have more. Where do you think teams are leaning to right now, Woody? Well, to me, it'll be it, this is going to be interesting because it's going to depend on cap space. You could have three actually on your NHL roster and another guy on the taxi squad, or you could just bury a guy in the taxi squad and have him still be a part of the team and have him be an option. We've talked for a long time about the need for three goaltenders during this this type of condensed season either way. To me, it's more the fascinating thing is, yeah, how they construct these taxi squads, but who they use, right? Like which guy ends up, do you take, if you've got a number three in your organization who's got NHL experience, let's use Edmonton, for example. Um, They sign Anton Forsberg, who's got a little bit of experience in the NHL. They sign him as their number three this summer. Do you have him stay in Edmonton on your taxi squad? Because he's been around a lot longer. Maybe he doesn't he's he's been in a backup role before. Maybe he doesn't need to play as often to feel as fresh. He knows how to be a pro in a practice situation. You keep him and you send the your Stuart Skinners and your Olivier Rodrigues, your your younger prospects to the minors to make sure they get to play. Or do you go the other way? Where you let your your number three go to the AHL, knowing that you've got a border to cross and quarantines to satisfy if you actually need him. And you have the young guy around your NHL team, have him around those other pro habits, have him around your NHL goalie coach on a day in, day out basis, working with him, getting the extra reps. And I think, for example, in Edmonton with the Forsberg signing, he's perfect for that. But I do know other teams, and I'll give you another example, Vancouver. They don't have that number. They didn't sign. And there's a few guys, a few teams like this. They didn't sign that third guy. They didn't sign your Dustin Tokarski or your Antoine Bebo to sort of be that pivot guy that if you need in the NHL, they've got some experience there. You, you don't have to worry about them. Are they going to sign a guy like that? Or do they look at it and say, well, Michael DiPietro, is he better served working with Ian Clark for the whole season or does he need to play? I think he needs to play. So what's your other options? Maybe it's an Artur Silovs who right now is on loan over in Europe, playing against men, having a lot of success, uh, just a first-year pro. But if you're Ian Clark... Would you rather, I think he would rather work with the Siloffs in that number three role on a day-in, day-out basis 
then say, go, you know, find a number three journeyman who's not going to be part of your organization long term and work on him as a project and sort of, you know, spend all that time for a in case of emergency break glass project versus I'm going to invest this time in someone who's going to be part of our organization for a long time. So I'm fascinated. I don't have the answer. I think in some cases, the goalie coach's opinion may not match what management ends up doing. And so it'll be fascinating to see how this all plays out. Hutch, just a point here. Vancouver ended up having to bring in another goaltender in the bubble. Uh, I wonder if that situation and, and having to go to the extreme and quarantine and down the line, knowing that their American Hockey League affiliate is in the United States and crossing the border and the headache. I wonder if that, just those semantics of going through that physically makes you want to keep four goaltenders up during the season. I think we could see that with the Canadian teams for sure. Mm -hmm. And for those folks who are listening to this and don't live in Canada, might not even be aware that to travel into Canada, you have to quarantine before before you could join the team. We're, we're not quite sure what that period would be with testing available, but but we're expecting it's a lot harder to join a Canadian team from an American farm team than to simply stay in the States and go to your team there. Which is why so, the whole uh, Canadian division thing is up. Uh, well, exactly. Exactly. I almost wonder whether they ever discussed having American League teams up in Canada just for that reason. They, but, they did, just well, so you know. Though. They did, yeah. but it was the, it was yeah. the Vancouver situation financially. just didn't make sense financially. Too much money. Yeah. Yeah, but because I could, Winnipeg uh, is in a big advantage. Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, the four teams, Middle East, all have their American Hockey League teams right there. But Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver have that border issue. Yeah, they do for sure. And it's it, and and we know you can get down to number three pretty quick, can't you? And, right. And so, and you're not going to be calling up the guy from University of British Columbia because they're not playing either. Call Woody. Um, yeah. Yeah, call Woody. Woody, unlimited goalies, unlimited goals. Woody's in. I got the message. No e-bugs. All teams must travel with three with goaltenders. Three. So the e-bug thing is taking a pass on this season. Well, I, well that, that's, for one game. Yeah. Well, for one game, it takes one injury and everything changes, right? Like mm-hmm. you're on a road trip and one guy goes down, all of a sudden you need a third. Can't bring him in across the border for some of these teams. But all teams will have to travel with, with at least three. And no, then no, the I question is, do you carry four? Yeah, and, and I'm just saying you could end up, as soon as one of those guys is hurt, you need an e-bug in the building, don't you? Despite right. what they're saying. Um, but I'll tell you one thing, Darren, you talked about kids in Washington. This is going to benefit the kids in, in some way, isn't it? I mean, either you're going to be that, that young prospect who gets up with an NHL team, what an awesome opportunity, what an exciting development opportunity for them. Uh, or, or you're that number four guy who suddenly gets more games in the American League than, than you would have otherwise. Maybe... Maybe guys, the Canucks leave Mikey DiPietro down in the American League, but now he's there's even less reason for him to to share games with somebody else. So he's getting more more experience one way or the other. Uh, whoever we might be talking about, it's a really neat time for the young guys. Notice how uh, quiet Woody's been since we squashed his dream of being an e-bug. <laughs> That's okay. I don't think it's squashed. I don't, he, Clarky's got his number, so anything could happen. Much like every shooter in every league I've ever played, and he has my number. <laughs> I <laughs> know, <laughs> uh, but I'm I I as much as you're right, Hutch. You could that emergency situation could come up in a hurry. Um, clearly, the goal and the plan here is to do everything in their power. Like oh, they're going to try and keep this as tight as you can. And there's no way you want some Joe walking off the street without multiple days of testing to introduce him to a locker room and a bubble and an environment that is being, you know, 
it may not be a formal bubble, but these guys, for all intents and purposes, are going to live in a bubble throughout right. this season. Whether but it's at least you're at the- in the press box. Maybe. At least, maybe. You know. So they know you sanitized your hands coming in the building, at least. I'm not sure I'm letting Woody anywhere near my roster or my press box. He can wait in the in the uh, in the Audi in the parkade. Probably having a nap between morning skate and the games in my Audi and my parkade. Other people are like, look at the homeless guy sleeping in the Audi. Hey, it's uh, it's you and I have that in common. Where we could we both had like slept in our car a ton and can do it no problem. You, you you too hutch. Oh guys, you you can't follow your kids into the rink anymore. So I'm getting a right? lot of naps. It's all about learning how to. Ring. It's that. It's that. It's like that ad with Ricky yes, Flower. Fowler. How 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 far do I recline for the ultimate sleeping angle? Oh, <laughs> uh, parents, you'll you'll love this because I used to bounce back and forth. Is the back seat the way to go and just throw your feet over the front, or do you use the recline on the front seat? And I, I finally came to the conclusion that the, the front seat's the the way to go. Uh, we'll uh, sit up and take notice here that uh, we have Bernie Perrant coming up in our feature interview presented by Sense Arena VR. That's coming up in just a little bit. But first, uh, a visit out to the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports Surrey. We are uh, playing dress up uh, today as we look at the Axis pants. Let's bring in Woody, who's standing by with Cam. Gentlemen. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports here in beautiful Surrey, British Columbia, the outskirts of Vancouver, suburbia as I like to call it, and actually more particular, we're in goalie utopia, um, the bottom floor here at the Hockey Shop, which is all about goaltenders, surrounded on all sides by the latest, the greatest, the new equipment. And we're here with Cam Matwiv, who's going to walk us through today. We've done the CCM Axis chest protector a few weeks back. Time to look at the pants, time to look at how the pants integrate into the chest protector. Time to cover off all those things with Cam Matwiv, who is wearing the pants. Yes. Um, we made him wear things this week because I was getting a little hot and bothered with all the equipment on and the temperature up. Needless to say, yeah, he dropped the temperature for himself this week. Um, how are you feeling in those pants right about now? Uh, I feel great. Comfortable. Okay. CCM Axis pants. What? Uh, walk me through... Does this follow the premier line? What are some of the features that you're hearing back from goalies they love the most? What makes this pant stand out compared to others? So continuing on the theme of uh, evolution and consolidating um, lines that we've uh, seen from Bauer, for example, um, CCM's gone in that sandwiched actually uh, the E-Flex pant and the premier pant together to create this pant, which to be honest, really those two pants were basically identical from what was the waist down. What made the difference of those two pants is that the shield pant, the E-Flex 2 pant, um, had a bit more of a segmented uh, waist in particular, making it a little bit softer, easier for it to wrap around the belly. But other than that, the lower half of the pant was basically identical to Premier, so. Some of us need a little help wrapping around the belly more than others these days. Well, there you go. So uh, hop on that Peloton and then we'll talk to you next week. Okay. (laughs) That said, for... Overall, what's changed and how they integrated the two pants together in particular, um, the biggest call out has to be the segmentation of their uh, hip flaps, uh, like we'll call it waist flaps in particular. Um, so creating more flexibility in the pant while also adding an addition of protection itself. I'm talking a little bit lower down the pant, just above on your thigh barrel here. So we see uh, them calling out their D3O material, which they've used in the past. But before, it used to be basically a flap, uh, one single flap that kind of came over top of that thigh. 
Now we see segmentation all the way through just to create more flexibility in the pant, allowing the pant to have that easier bend forward. One of the things that I had noticed about CCM pants is that when you do get them a little bit more cinched up, it's a little bit hard to, you know, bend over, tie your skates, things like that. Here, I don't have that same restriction with the pant. It really allows a forward bend to the pant right off the So a little more forward flex. If you're getting into that low, walk, low wide, locked in stance as the shot's about to come, you're not gonna have any resistance from the front of this pant. Segmented also means you're probably, like the protection's gonna sort of stay together, so to speak, like as opposed to potentially sliding up. And D3O right in that, in that, that segmentation in front of sort of over top of the front of your hips, which is an area where you can sort of, you can, you know, pucks tend to find seams there. Correct. Yeah. It's one of those things that actually you can even visually see on the pant itself. Ooh, um, visual. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Visuals are always good. And there's that, there that is that telltale orange. Exactly. And what, one of the things of you seeing that you flip it up in terms of how they've attached it to the pant itself, um, those are actually elastic uh, attachment point in particular on the pant itself. What that'll give to it, it helps to anchor the actual protection for it. So one of the things you did notice too is that that protection would actually like flip up um, on the, some of the premier pants. Every once in a while, yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, and for yeah. those that have worn those premier pants, you, you know exactly what we're talking did. about. Yeah. Yes. Um, what this will do is it'll help to keep it in front and they've also cut it so it goes lower and has a bit of that double coverage. So we're not as worried about that, you know, separation shot basically we'd call it i was gonna say double coverage when you're looking at a goalie in his stance and the the pads and the blocker are covering the same thing or the the, the glove and the chest protector are covering the same thing double coverage in that case not a good thing double coverage in this case in terms of you know the top of the thigh and some sensitive spots absolutely a good thing and, and especially when it's got the added layer we'll call it triple coverage of a d3o exactly exactly so starting with the the lower portion of the pant to be honest hasn't changed a whole bunch but it didn't need to um this is uh still falls in line with their 10 inch wide barrel they haven't messed with any of their sizing or anything like that they haven't cranked us down to nine inch nhl max width make no. you smaller at other levels sizing that's correct that's correct we, uh, we know i'm a big fan of this yes so you still get match coverage out of the pant and it still is that maintains that barrel cut of the pant in particular which ccm pants have been known for um, as we move up and past the segmentation that we've already covered um you get into the upper waist portion of the pant itself uh, one of the things that I have found on the Axis pad is that they've extended the actual uh, waist portion of the pant. So you get A, a little bit more wrap if you don't tuck in the chest. Once you cinch it up, it will wrap around your body quite nicely. However, for those of us that tuck in, it helps with that integration and stops that chest from flowing out uh, when you are moving around. Awesome. So if you tend to, I don't know, like me, end up like a, flopping around like a fish out of water, that's when you tend to, if, if you do tuck, that's when it tends to, things start to come apart. Yes, you're yes. gonna have a little. Yes, things be able fall to... apart very quickly when you're in net. Kevin. That's true. That's true. Again, things my beer league teammates would tell you. Um, but in this case, at least you're in terms of that pant chest integration. That's more likely to stay together. Exactly. I may fall apart, but my pants and my chest. But you're protected. Are... Exactly. So uh, one of the things uh, again, continuing forward, that CCM's uh, been known for that internal belt um always a great feature uh, again looking for that a little bit of a snugger fit but without losing coverage for the overall pant itself um they've also continue on uh in particular with their uh inch waist drop system which is just a zipper that follows the perimeter of the pant itself uh once again we have a nice visual call out for kevin who likes his visuals um big the, fan of the visuals kids that are growing um needing a bit of a custom fit for your pant this is a great feature Again, just will allow the pant to drop an extra inch on the entire uh, body itself um, without sacrificing any protection. So again, and we talked about it, kids that are growing, 
goalies that are maybe in between sizes, aren't sure if they want it longer or, or narrower. That simple um, system that you just unzip the zipper and the pant drops an extra inch and you've got a little bit of a longer fitting pant. Again, for parents who've got growing kids and are worried about them going through multiple sizes in a season, always nice to have that extra inch. It's, it's that, we talked about it with the Bauer unit. Uh, they have a similar philosophy without the zipper, more of a Velcro setup, but that concept, always nice as a parent when your goalie is growing, not so nice when they do it multiple times in a season and through different sizes. So at least this way you get a little bit of extra length in the legs. Uh, other features on this pant cam? Some other quick callouts. Um just on the inside of the thigh itself, um, the actual removable Velcro pads. Little extra protection on the inside, blocks of Velcro inside of the thighs as well, help close that five hole a little bit. Yeah, we'll call it a, not necessarily extra protection because you don't necessarily need it in that area, but what I do find, again, for what you called out there, assistance in closing that five hole, or as well as kind of centering the leg inside the pant itself. Personally speaking, wearing a bigger set of knee pads, I find it's too much, so I take these out right away, so I still get that loose feel that I'm kind of looking for inside the pant. But. Well, and that, and again, because not everybody's the same, some people want a smaller knee pad, some people want a bigger one. Again, the option here to remove that padding so that you, no matter what you wear, you're going to find a comfortable fit in terms of the integration between your pant and your knee pad. You get your custom fit for the pant, which is the most important thing. Um, one more quick call out for the pant, which often gets glossed over and it's been a feature on uh, CCM pants for quite a long time. Uh, now, now hold on here. Ding, ding. Folks, you're going to learn something new on the In Goal Radio podcast. And I got to be honest, as a guy who's been a long time sort of premier pant and, and premier chest protector guy, even I was not aware of this until Cam brought it up today. So after years of wearing it and not knowing why it was there, Cam is going to educate and enlighten us on the buckle clip on the inside of the inner belt. Yes, so for those that are listening, if you're familiar with a, a premier pant, you've always seen um, on the internal belt two plastic clips that actually snap together. And for those of you who are listening to the podcast right now and can't quite picture it, make sure you check out the simulcast that we'll have on all our social media channels uh, and on the page at ingolmag.com that will in addition to the podcast, show off the simulcast video of this, we'll highlight it. So what we're saying is watch the video. Yeah, do both. Listen, watch the video. <laughs> so what it will actually do um, beyond centering the belt inside the pant, what's actually it's not quite for, um, it's actually an integration between this and a CCM chest feature itself, uh, which happens to be a strap on the side of the chest. So that this will allow you to tuck in the chest, snap it in, keep it together, and again, not having that use of the suspenders in particular. This came about when suspenders were supposed to be outlawed kind of in the NHL and they needed another way for those guys to tuck in um, in particular without having to use suspenders. Um, now that that's a little bit, you know, uh, it's not as common, it's not as big of a deal anymore. Um, you don't see it as much, but that feature has still remained on CCM pants and it's something that often gets glossed over quite easily. Okay, so now here's the thing. I always assume because that, that loop, that clip loop wraps around the inner belt. I always thought it was part of the inner belt. I did not realize for all these years that it was actually designed. And again, I don't tuck my chest protector, so maybe not for me, but a really good feature for other people who want a little more of that connected feeling and that integration. And as we already established, I tend to fall all over the place and things come apart. This will help the pants and the chest protector remain connected. Now, for those of you who heard that little bit of background noise, I apologize. The hockey shop is a constant work in progress. There is no rest at the top of the mountain. They are doing renovations upstairs to the stick racks. And a little bit of that noise has crept in down here. I kind of look at it like this. Like it's, 
it's kind of like having players on your team. It's a necessary evil. They always screw things up for us, the players, but we got to have them. So this is us down here in goalie utopia. It's relatively quiet, but up there they're making a racket before the doors open because they've got, you know, again, always looking to improve. So um, I guess we can live with that. If the players are happy, does it mean they'll back check for us, Cam? Maybe. Probably not, eh? <laughs> Probably because we chirped them on podcast. <laughs> All right, Cam, Axis Pant, great job walking it through. Remember, folks, the simulcast video, you'll be able to check this out. Uh, have a little footage showing you the pant up tight and showing how it integrates with that chest protector. Both the E-Flex Shield and the Axis and old Premier chest protectors all have that loop to integrate into this belt that's on the Axis pant. So even if you're in a different model chest protector, that buckle loop we just talked about can, can be a way to integrate. You learn something new every day. That's why we come to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports and thehockeyshop.com for all our gear, gear needs. Easy for me to say. And that's why you should call Cam if you have any questions about your gear needs. Cam, where can they get you? 604-589-8299. The international number is right here. Thanks to our friend and producer, David Hutchison, working his magic. And my magnificent Vanna White, the 1-800 number is right here. For those that are listening on the podcast, they think I'm an idiot, which is kind of nothing new. All right, folks, from the Hockey Shop Source for Sports here in Surrey and Goalie Utopia, I'm Kevin, he's Cam, we'll talk to you next week. So, hold on, hold, hold on. I got a question for you. But before we get into my real-life hockey question, Woody, what, that little thing at the end about the stick rack upstairs and the noise, and uh, was that your way of telling them to be quiet without trying to be the guy that's yelling, hey, we're trying to record down here. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. There was no vacuum at least this time. <laughs> that's the problem. We go in there before the store closes. So, But they've done a whole bunch of renovations up there. It looks great, to be honest. looks great. Yeah. But, uh, and also just trying to make sure the store flows in terms of, hey, we're in, we're in different times, right? So you need to be able to, you know, yeah. can't, can't have oh, everyone yeah, yeah. crammed into certain spaces. There's a nice sort of flow to it that can't allows have a bottleneck, right? It, yeah. Allows everyone to sort of maintain their distance and still have a good shopping experience. So as usual, they are trying to find ways to make things better, just like Cam does down in, uh, down in Goalytopia. And I got to say, like, pants are not just pants anymore. These last two weeks, like, you know, that Vaughn pant with the nine inch barrel max, like NHL regs compared to the Axis pant this week with an inner belt that Vaughn didn't have and a much wider sort of profile. Like, do you want NHL spec or do you want to sort of look bigger? And like, these are decisions that, you know, based on what companies do with their retail product, is it going to be NHL spec? Is it, is it not? Like as a consumer, I want to know those things. So um, a pant is not just a pant. There are lots of different options these days. So thanks to Cam for walking me through them. And obviously I have a bias because that Axis pant is an extension of the premier pant that I wear. And Hutch knows I like me some inner belts. I think next week we might be skipping the major brand manufacturers and doing a turkey pant episode. This is the advantage. Do you notice though that you notice when you watch a simulcast, I'm always in like the double XLs. Like this is the advantage also of the uh, belt. Belts and internal belts can be loosened. So the, the Vaughn pant had me thinking last week. And then when you do the access pant this week, uh, before I get into what I'm talking about here, do you guys put on your pants and then your skates or is it skates and then your pants? Because that will take us down the, the path that I want to go on. Hutch. 
first. Well, I used to be pants and then skates. Then I became a beer league player, and I noticed some of the more uh, portly guys in the room had adapted to skates first and then pants because you can actually bend over without having to hold your breath and tie your skates up. Yes. And I thought, okay, I'm defeated. I've reached that age. I'm a skates and then pants guy. And I was kind of embarrassed, but I, I just, I'm ready to live with it. And then we saw Carrie Price going skates before pants. And I've just, I felt vindicated. There's and nothing now there's wrong a, with it. There's now a completely different reason to do it. It's because the best goalie in the world does it. So I'm going to do it that way. Hmm. There you go. Woody? I'm the other way. Woody'd never heard of either. What? What do you mean? There's a different way to get dressed? <laughs> That's right. No, I got the I got the pants on first, whatever, uh, undergarments, jock, knee pads, pants over top, and then the skates last. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I was, well, if you're putting your jock on last, then I've got a uh, real concern for you. But the, <laughs> That's after no, you I, take I a few in the head. Yeah, uh, I, I'm definitely uh, skates and, and then pants. Uh, just it's more comfortable, uh, easier. Why not uh, make it easier? And then so the leg, the leg width of pants would really impact me because you're trying not to rip your pants. You're, you're oh, could have had a demo in the store. How do you have to wear your gear? How do you have to get mm-hmm. dressed to wear this particular brand? Nine inch, no, I you that could, you could, nine inch barrel on that Vaughn pants sticking a skate down that thing. I'm thinking you're, especially a sharp skate. Uh, I'm thinking you're asking for a. Yeah, you could wear your guards like the. the no, I think covered. you can do it. Yeah. No, well, I mean, obviously, Carrie's in the nine inch barrel and he's doing it. So hmm. there you go. I can't. We we got Woody thinking. Woody, do you think you'll ever try it? No. Skates. I, as soon as you do, I, I'm, I tell you this, you feel a lot better about yourself. Oh, and you can <laughs> breathe you for the, the warm skates. up. Yeah. It's, <laughs> again, yeah. again, guys, my pants are oversized. The belt, the inner belt is loosened up. There is no, like, like I'm not saying I'm skinny because I ain't, but I can get there try because you'll never go back. The pants are, no, you know. But the other thing is, the other back. thing You're here is, stubborn let's enough. be honest. There's a coordination issue here to stepping into your pants while wearing your skates. And I would somehow find a way to screw it up. Amazing what we've, uh, we've come to. There's different ways to get dressed. I wonder what Bernie would say about this conversation uh, when we talked to him about skate saves and fiberglass masks. and He would have uh, hung up five minutes oh. ago. <laughs> good, good. Hey, hey. Call Ben when when you're ready to talk uh, real real stuff. Uh, so we have Bernie Perrant, our feature interview this week, brought to you by Sensorina VR Hutch. And Sensorina has really established itself in a short period of time. Yeah, it sure has. It's it's amazing how fast it's taking hold in all the places it's uh, it's popping up in the game. And Woody can tell you about some of those. But uh, as a few folks saw on our Instagram this week, uh, Dylan Garand, who's going to be playing with the Canadian junior team at the Worlds this year, uh, shared his uh, true gear with us and did a little walkthrough for our for folks. And in that conversation, he and I talked quickly about Sensorina because uh, the uh, Canadian team had just taken delivery of some sets and uh, Dylan had, had literally at that point 20 minutes in them and uh, but was was really impressed by how realistic it was. He, he said, the shots are so hard, I think I missed the first 50 that were taken on me. <laughs> Although, caveat, I mean, remember, I, if you saw in the review, I talked about how you have to be careful where you're actually using this thing. And here he is uh, in a small hotel room and trying to avoid banging his hands into the walls as he's making these virtual saves. But uh, yeah, I know it's, it's, it's really taking, taking the world by storm. And I think people are seeing it for what it is. It's just a 
it's a it's a new tool. It's a new tool to, that does things that we haven't been able to do before to work on our tracking, to work on our reads away from the rink when we're away from the ice in in a very realistic way. And uh, we're super excited about what we've seen, eh, Woody? Yeah, and as we've heard from NHL goaltenders, uh, pro goaltenders that have tried Sense Arena virtual reality training, work on their hands too. They really feel like it allows them to sort of keep those hands active. And you know, I know that's one thing that Jason LaBarbera, who we had on last week, was excited about in terms of being able to get this product into the Hockey Canada guys, especially at a time when they might not be able to get on the ice, right? With the quarantines and some of the issues. Unfortunately, we sold too many sets during Black Friday. They couldn't get them there fast enough because all the ones we sold because of the popularity of this product. But other teams, uh, I think we've seen the German goalies at the World Juniors have been trying it. Uh, Czech Republic has some sets. So, you know, clearly from the best in the world at the World Junior level, that 20 under level, right up to the National Hockey League, Bill Ranford, multiple sets for the LA Kings. This is a product that has legitimacy as a training tool for goaltenders. Um, virtual reality, I think, is here to stay for goaltenders. And the other aspect, touch that we haven't talked about today is there are brain training tools here. Like we we've talked a lot in in other episodes and over the past two years about you know some of these cognitive training tools. Um, other companies that have things you can do online to train your eyes, to train your brain. A lot of those same programs or similar type programs are built right into this virtual reality program. So you're not just, it's not just that you can stop actual pucks with this thing. You can also do some of the other elements and sort of combine a lot of that training without having to buy this program and that program and this program and that program. One program will solve a lot of those issues for you. There's uh, so many different ways to improve your game right now, and it keeps uh, breaking new ground, it seems like, every week. Uh, there was a day, you know, gentlemen, when if you're struggling with your goaltending game, you had very few options. Maybe one of those would be lean on your mentor, who just happened to be your goalie partner. And that's what happened to Bernie Perrant, uh, a Hockey Hall of Famer, a legend, and now an in-goal friend. Bernie Perrant from the Philadelphia Flyers joins us on In-Goal Radio, the podcast, the feature interview presented by Sense Arena VR. Enjoy. Anybody of the era knows Bernie Perrant's game. Any of the people that uh, came afterwards uh, know from the stats, but uh, let's all dive into the very beginning, Bernie. How did you become a hockey player? How did you become a goaltender? Well, uh, my Lord, that's going way back. I think Moses was alive then. That's a long time ago. <laughs> they, um, was he shooting on you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to uh, make a few stops. But anyway, I was about, you know, a youngest of seven kids living in Montreal. And, um, and um, I, I wanted to be a defenseman. Think about this. So when I was about 13, you know, you, I had two brothers and uh, the sisters. And, and I finally got the skates, you know, all the way down. You know, it was my turn. And I wanted to be a defenseman, so I put the equipment on. And then in those days, you, um, uh, we played outdoor rinks. So you had to go around the rink once. And depending on your speed, then the coach would give you a position. So most of the players did in 14, 13, 14, 15 seconds. Now my turn came. Wow, let's get ready, boys. And I did mine in 21 seconds. 
So the coach looked at me and said, goaltender. Oh. <laughs> That's how I became a goalie. Now, think about this. The first game I played, because I had never played on on skates, because we played in those days, people have to remember that uh, the ice remained in the streets for uh, three or four months in Montreal. They didn't have a chemical by then at, at that time. So um, I played the first game. They scored 22 goals against me. So the coach looked at me and said, out of here, right? <laughs> and and I knew I, I, I didn't have good balance. So, um, so I decided to practice in the street with my buddies, you know, put the skates on and play a goal. So five weeks, think about this, five weeks later, a um, – uh, I received a phone call from uh, from the coach, and his goaltender got hurt. So he said, "You want to give it one more chance?" I said, "Sure." And um, we won the game, and bingo! Then I was on my way. How about so, that? Doing the math there, Bernie, you didn't start skating until thirteen. No, that's right. And and even in my prime, I couldn't skate. I had good balance. <laughs> I had good balance. As a matter of fact, you know, people keep saying goaltender has to be a good skater. Not really. You know, what you need, you need you need good balance. If you had good balance, then you have a good shot at it. So how did it take the, the next step from, from 13 to the next couple of years, getting on the radar to, to place a little bit of junior? Well, I played, uh, then I, I uh, ended up with the team. How I got there, uh, I look back, I uh, don't really remember, but I got in, in, in with the um, Rosemont hockey team in Montreal. And um, and for um, and then played for them for two years, and we won the uh, the um, the championship the second year, right? And things were going well. We had a good team because let's face it, when you play well, it's because you have a good team. <laughs> you know, if you don't have a good team, then it's very difficult to play well. And um, and then and then when I was 17, 17, 18, then I got drafted by the Bruins, the Boston Bruins. And, um, and then it was, uh, you know, it was uh, very exciting, you know. So, uh, so, uh, and then I ended up in Niagara Falls. That was cool. Did you like playing goal or was it just that, that was your spot that you were assigned? I loved it. I loved it. The, you know, little that I knew at the time, it was my imagination, you know, working, anticipating the shots, left-hand shot, right-hand shot. But I, I didn't have the uh, the foundation to realize what I was doing. But this is, in my mind, this is what I was doing. And I love um, uh, out thinking, I guess, a, a shooter, you know, making the saves, I hope. But making saves, you know, playing, playing in goal is pretty good. You just stand there. You don't have to chase the puck all the time, you know. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it was cold outdoors. Yep, yep, it was cold. I remember my mom, God bless her. She would, you know, in the out- outdoor ranks, it would pile up the snow along the boards so people would stand, you know, just above the board. And uh, she'd be there with her big fur coat, the hat, the boots on, never miss a game. That was awesome. Oh, wow. It took great courage to play then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, um, <laughs> The gear you were wearing and no helmets. And, and where did that come from? Well, you know what? The, um, the gear, the, uh, the equipment was supplied by uh, the township, you know, so you, you know, you didn't have to buy it. It was, yeah. it, it was given, given to you, you know, while you played and, um, and, um, you know, look back, was it good? 
I don't know. I guess it was I'm still alive, you know. So, but <laughs> <laughs> but it was um, a um, you know I they here we go, guys. When I was when I was before I went to Niagara Falls, we um, I make a lot of I miss a lot of days school days because I was on the ice practicing and and that was my vision and i think at the time i think at the time my vision was was to play in the national hockey league and when you have a vision like this then uh, you're willing to do anything you know and i remember my mom taking me to the teacher at that time and the teacher looked at my mom look at me look at my mom said I'm sorry, but your son doesn't have a chance in life. <laughs> so true story. Oh, no. oh yeah, oh. and um, and then and then later on, you know, was a fairly young guy, and then later on, he, um, I got a chance to show the two Stanley Cup, and I said, um, you know, it's a um, like Einstein said so many times, a, um, imagination is more important than education. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you had to battle through a couple of things then. Uh, between that little bit of news and then the coach cutting you after the first game and, and being assigned, like you, you, you got through a couple of bumps. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and think about this when I got drafted by, um, by Boston, then that was, like I said, I was seven, 18 and um, I had to go to um, Niagara Falls, you know, which was a farm team and, um, and I couldn't speak English. And I remember, you know, picking up my uh, suitcase, went to the train station by myself, and I went to Niagara Falls. And many times, you know, people people have asked me, why did you go to Niagara Falls? You could have stayed home and could have done something else. And at that time, I said it was more powerful at that time. I said, because my vision was to play in the National Hockey League. And I shared this with young kids because when you have a vision like this, it, it pushes you to go through a lot of things to reach, to reach your goal. Your hero growing up as a goaltender was? Jacques Plante. Yes. Jacques Plante. I, I did not watch him play, watch him play um, every Saturday night you know, at home and uh, was just awesome. And the beauty about, about him was his sister lived next door to us. In Montreal, okay, and I remember once every summer, one time he would visit his sister. They have a big comfortable big car, and um, he would come in. I'd be sitting in front of the window of my house, and I watched him. He would come out of the car. He had the big hat on, a cigar, and he walk. You know, he would that we would walk. You know, towards uh, just his sister, which is just incredible. You know, what a beautiful thing. And then think about this. You're talking about about how life, when you have a, a vision, life will provide you with great opportunities to make it happen. And then when I got traded, two years with the Flyers, I got traded to uh, Toronto. And that's when Tank was there, was playing. And uh, it, 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 that was a blessing. He turned my uh, career around. How did he do that? Well, they... Um, First of all, I ask him because I watch him practice. I watch him play, and I said, "My Lord, you know, it's a you're right there. You're watching him sitting on the bench." And um, I said, "Man, you're so good." I said, "Can you teach me?" He said, "Sure." So um, yeah, you know what I learned from him. Basic was I was at times I was doing this, but I I wasn't aware that I was doing it. Um, if you have a left hand shot versus a right hand shot, 
how do you position yourself? How we position yourself where the puck is, not where the man is. Because the man will see the opening, but the puck won't. You know, if you play that way, it's a beautiful thing. And how your defensemen, each defenseman, you have five or six, how they play certain players, how they play a left-hand shot, how they play a right-hand shot. It, it, then it helps you to anticipate it better as far as uh, making you move and be at the right place at the right time. Did he help you technically as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, uh, uh, you know, hey, you know, talking about talking about position, you know, is very, you know, very, very important. How to know where you're at as far as where the, uh, the net was concerned. And then on the left-hand side, I was always fill the post with the left end. And if I was on the right side, I would fill the post with the uh, the the butt, you know, the end of my uh, stick, and it would give me an idea where I'm at and where the play is. And uh, that understanding of the game, which is just incredible. It's it's remarkable that uh, it sounds like it was the first instruction you'd received, and you're in the National Hockey League at that point. Yeah, yeah, first time, first time. And um, you know, when I played for Boston. Those uh, two years started in '65. You know, we, uh, you know, you have to remember we were in last place those two years when I was there, and um, we only had six teams. And then the average of a hockey player, uh, the average age of a hockey player was um, was older than you know, more of the, like the late twenties, maybe thirty. You know, you had the you had a lot of experience out there, so it was very very difficult that and. And think about this. The first year, you know, I did, went to a training camp for Boston, and um, I was 20. And uh, they sent me to um, Oklahoma, you know, the farm team. And, and in front of me, they had Ed Johnston and Jerry Cheevers. So, you know, in those days, you, could, you couldn't negotiate like you do now. So if you're not lucky, you know, you, uh, you could spend 10 years in the minors not going anywhere. And that year, five weeks into a season, the two, think about this, the two goalies got hurt at the same time. So they called me and then I stayed up with the Bruins. How about that? What would you do in the summer to prepare for a season as we sit here and get ready for a, a season in a, in a unique time? Um, fish. you know if you look if you look at the players you look at the games even not as far you know before I played but even when we played and you look at the speed and you look at the players today you know there's no comparison you know I mean we were good don't misunderstand me but the speed of the players today is just just incredible so for us for us what we did is um, we used a training camp to get in shape how about that? You know, today they keep in shape the whole year round. But the, dif- the difference is, you know, in those days you make 25000 Today they make $25 million, you know. Speak. Yeah. <laughs> it helps you to stay in shape, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can afford a lot more fish after you're done instead of during, the, during your career. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> well, that fishing has to help with your balance, which you said is the most important thing. I mean, mm-hmm. standing up in that tippy boat, it's great training. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. You know, <laughs> I've, I've always loved uh, offshore, you know, f- fishing. And uh, to me is, um, you know, think about this, guys. When you go out the inlet, you get in the ocean. On the other side, where land is, is about 3,000 miles away. So it's a big lake, you know, and uh, there's, <laughs> there's magic in that ocean. It's a beautiful thing. Love it. That's my passion. I love it.
and magic on the on the frozen water uh, as well. When you when you stepped on the ice, um, what were you thinking? What was your or did you have a thought process how you approached every game? Well, it was yeah, it was pretty well the same because I, I learned from Cloud again, and it became my uh, my approach. My philosophy is is um, is don't figure out what the player is going is going to shoot. You know, position yourself. And um, and more likely he's going to hit you, isn't it? You know, it's very, very important because the players, you know, they're smart players, National Hockey League. They'll change their minds the last second. And then the, you're in the wrong place, the wrong position. And, um, and then you have problems. Chances are they're going to score. But if you depend just on your style, then you move along with whatever um, the adjustment that you have to make, whatever the players player is doing with the puck. Why didn't you take your mask off when you skated to the to the net and back? Well, yeah, listen, look at this face. You know, <laughs> I, uh, you know, beautiful. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I have to. I won't go in details, but I have to keep the mask on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> life was good. Yeah, life was good. <laughs> Who was uh, who was the toughest player to face back in the day? Which which guys did you think about as they were coming down on you? Whether it's practice or games. Well, I, um, I'd say the game. Let's go with the games. And um, to me, it was uh, Bobby Hall. Yeah, Bobby Hall was clock at 120 miles an hour. Think about this. Nobody has yeah. even. Well, some guys have done 100. Five, I think, of whatever, but nobody has has done 120 miles an hour. And I remember him, yeah, 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 I'm 20 years old, 21. And I, I remember him coming across the blue line. And that's the beauty about, about um, when you're young like this, you don't have as much fear, you know. He would come, you know, big shoulders, you know, and uh, would come across the blue line. And just between the blue line and the circle, he would wind up. And I looked at him. He looked at me. Then everything became in slow motion. Oh, so it's just it's just how powerful he was. Then he would then I would put my my catching glove in front of my face and I'd say, God, let him score, are you? <laughs> 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 and and you know what? Quite a few times he missed he missed the net, hit that last behind me, and Glenn Hull had to make the save on the other at the other end. So <laughs> so that's uh, that was very dangerous. I'm very fortunate to be alive today, that's for sure. <laughs> Were you were you nervous? Were you confident? How would you describe your your mental uh, feeling during a game? Well, during a game, you know, I learned again from Blount to um, to uh, just concentrate on your system, you know, and um, and of course, uh, um, I would say against better teams, then you concentrate a little bit more, which doesn't make it right, but that's that's the way it was, you know, at the time. And and it was I you know what it's a it was always my focus was always the night before the game I would spend oh maybe an hour and a half two hours thinking about different players you know a different position what they would do you know where it should be what it should be doing and what to anticipate and stuff like this so I'd spend I I did my homework the night before and then when the the game came. It all came back, and um, they made the game much easier for me. Were you a talker during the game? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's I, I've learned that from Blount again. It's a, a very important. You know, you um, 
um, if the puck's in the corner, you have a defenseman chasing the uh, forward. And um, because a lot of guys are focused on that corner where the puck is. Well, I lean against the post, but I'm uh, almost facing the front. You know, and uh, then I had a pretty well idea where um, an open guy is. It could be getting the puck, you know, and uh, and then you communicate, shout to your defenseman because, you know, it's loud in that ring. And uh, look behind you. Somebody's open or whatever, you know, and um, it really made a big difference. Yeah. What about cracking jokes and things like that? Because you're, you're a pretty funny guy. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think. I think even in life, humor is very important, you know, and uh, you become what you uh, think about now. And I, I, I love to have fun in life, you know, and, um, and, you know, my philosophy is if something is not very funny, you let it come, don't fight it, let it come, let it go through and then start focusing on happy thoughts again. You know, and um, and that's a, you know that's a, that, that's what I did on the ice. You know, we're we're friends. Let's face it. And I share this with kids all the time. You know, you don't win in life by yourself. You learn this in 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 sports. In my case, it was hockey. If you're going to win, you're going to win as a team. It was very very important. And in the world of business, is the same way. So you learn you know you learn some good basic things in sports that help really uh, helps you uh, um, in, in the future, the business world. Did you play whenever you wanted under Freddie, or was there a system in place there? No, they, uh, uh, I would play, I think with Freddie, I would play like 70, 72 games, right? And Bobby Taylor would play, I don't know, six games. The chief, we call him, we were good Jeez, friends. Yeah. We're good friends. And every time I went out the dressing room, the players would say, true story, would say, they called me Ben at the time, you know, Ben. And they say, hey, Ben, how many goals tonight? Eh, depending how I felt, said maybe one or two, right? And then when Taylor played, they would ask him, how many, how many goals do you need tonight, Chief? He said about seven. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's Bobby for it. Oh, yeah, it's good, man. Good friend. Good people. Yeah. What was, uh, what was Freddie like as a head coach? Freddie was good. First time I met him when I got traded back to, to, um, from Toronto to, um, to uh, uh, Philly. Freddie was, uh, came up to me. And always adjusting his glasses, you know, if you recall, you know, it's always that way. And he looked at me, I shook his hand, and he said, you know what? He said, I don't know anything about goaltending. You're on your own. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that was cool. But, you know, you're, talk- you, you know, you're talking about, about them quickly, guys. When, um, and I tell the young kids, too, people take chances which is called, I had a book that came out a few years back, um, Risk and Fear. Yeah. Now, think about this. When I played, when I was with Toronto, this is when the World Hockey League came in. Yeah? And, um, and I, at the end of the second season, I received a phone call from the World Hockey League if I was interested in joining the, uh, you know, the league, the World Hockey League. And I said, let me think about it. I thought about it, and I said, after a while, I said, everything I had learned from Blount, I said, I said, if it doesn't work out, I'll come back to uh, Toronto. Well, it didn't work out for different, other different reasons. So um, I came back, and think about this. Uh, the risk that I took to go to the World Hockey League versus 
the safety of Toronto National Hockey League, which had been in existence for, what, 80 years or 100 years or whatever, was a big risk. And um, But then when I came back, the same day, Toronto traded me back to the Flyers. And then we end, I ended up with the team that won two Stanley Cup the following two years. Think about this. If I would have played it safe, I would have never been, been in Philly. Or, or Leaf fans would be celebrating. That's 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 a possibility. Yeah, sure. I have. You know, we had some good players, some good friends on that team. Yeah, and you're still working with the Flyers today. Uh, and I'm not doing much now with the with the Flyers. We uh, we uh, just uh, my concentration is on fishing. So, <laughs> well, you- yeah. <laughs> so now I I um, you know but it gets to a point where, and also you know it's difficult to work with the goalies today. You know, for me anyway, because the way we played in those days. Today, I, I think if you look at the equipment, and I'm so grateful we played when the equipment we had because it had more um, uh, mobility, you know, to uh, move your hands, your skates, or your pads, or whatever. Today, and, and you had to make the saves. And today, the equipment is so bulky, and they're great goalies, don't misunderstand me. You know, they're, they're awesome, but, but they play a different style. You don't, they drop because they don't have the luxury to um, move the legs or arms around like we used to because it's the equipment so bulky. But the difference is, a big difference that I see is in our days when you make the save, you have better chance to control the rebound. When you drop to your knees, you're, you're more like you're, you're blocking the shot. And when you block the shot, then the re- rebound most of the time will end up in front of you. So, um, so uh, it, it's a big adjustment. But like I said, it's it's a different time. And how how would I work with the goalies in situation like this? It's um, it's better to um, to um, to say thank you very much for the opportunity, good old Lord, that I had throughout my life, and sign for somebody else to take over. Bernie, I, I get more impressed as the years go on when I watch the clips, how you could make a skate save from 30 feet and, and be so dialed in on it. I, I just fascinated by it. So what, what went into that? Well, I get, I get um, more impressed myself, too, when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when, when I had learned from South again that, um, you know, as you, you're playing goal, you always have – for me, the way the way I played was to have more weight on my right leg than the left leg. Then it allows me to move left and to move right more better. Because if I if I stand, if I put a evenly the weight on both the feet, then it's very difficult to to make the move because you know you don't have the luxury to move. Uh, side to side, but if you just you just concentrate on putting more weight on one leg then it opens up everything. The movement is much easier. Were you tough? Oh, was I tough? I was as tough as my players were. Then you were pretty <laughs> tough. That's a tough team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I got involved one time with, uh, with uh, Dave Bell. Remember Dave? Yeah. Remember him, Dave? Yeah. And um, he corked me pretty good. And uh, I said, you know what? I learned a lesson very quickly. I said, let the players do the, <laughs> do the fighting. And I had some good players to do with that. So that was the end of it. 
Yeah. Uh, random question for you. Uh, after one of your cups, and I can't remember whether it was the first or the second, you wore the patches uh, of the Stanley Cup on the on the sweaters that next season. Uh, why mm-hmm. did you do that? And was that a team thing or is that a league thing? No, it was it was a team thing. Yeah, it was. And uh, I'd love for them to do it now. So I'm just curious. Uh, oh yeah, to do it. Yeah, they. Uh, you know what? It's it, 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 it's it's. Hey, first of all, you deserve it. You win the championship. You win the Stanley Cup. You know what? It's a beautiful thing to to have. And um, in in addition to this, and it's a good reminder also that every time you put that jersey on, you're um, you know you're um, you're a Stanley Cup winner. And um, it gets you ready for you know for the uh, the following you know the following year, so um, a, a, you know it's a it's you know what in hockey especially in goalie it's such a, it's such a head job you know it's very very important and if you stay healthy and you do your homework then uh, and you have a good team then good um, yeah most of the time good things will happen. What was the what was the hardest thing about playing goal in the seventies? What might a goaltender today be surprised about or find difficult? Well, you know, in the old days, the uh, uh, I don't know. That's a good question. They, um, you know, I would probably reverse the question to today. You know, today mm-hmm. the way they're shooting. You know, uh, here's an example. If I Play okay. Let's say if I'm playing a right hand shot coming on the on the right side, just the uh, middle of the circle, and he takes a shot. And if I if I'm playing him, if I'm playing the puck, because the defenseman I had, and uh, you know we uh, we understood that when the guy comes down here like this, you play the man, I'll play the puck. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so then more likely I'll know where the puck is going to go and I'll make the save. But if you only have like in the old days, if, if I would give the shooter, let's say, four or five inches above my shoulders, yeah, on the left side, nine out of ten times, he would miss the net that hit me. Yeah. And um, in today's world, where they're shooting is, my God, nine out of ten times they'll score. You know, they, uh, you know, they, they're very good today. I, I watch those guys that they're playing, that they're skating, and the way his, the game is playing today. It's, uh, you know, it's different. Uh, quickly, we had two defensemen, okay? And the defensemen had half of the ice, okay? And each circle belonged to them, okay? And, um, and if, if the pocket, the player went on the other side, a defenseman would stop and the other guy would, the other defenseman would pick them up, right? Mm-hmm. But in today's world, you know, you don't have this anymore. You know, they're crisscrossing and uh, they're, um, you know, you're very difficult for a goalie to understand. That's why I, I, I you know, I, hey, I salute those guys today because it's not an easy job to play National Hockey League today. They're good. The players are good, but yep. the system is a big difference. It sounded like Freddie had a pretty good system, though. I mean, I, I got the, the sense that he was ahead of, ahead of the game at the time. Well, yeah, Freddie, Freddie was, you know, he had two rules. You know, number one is a, um, a, the team, team has a stem and stick within the system. And number two, which is very important, if you had the chance to escape and create a two on one, then uh, you didn't, you didn't follow the number one rule. You went, you went ahead and create that two-on-one two to, to create a good opportunity. And also in practice, I'll never forget, defensively, we would spend, oh, about a half hour every day 
on coming out of our zone. And we had four different ways to come out, depending on how the team would forecheck us. Mm -hmm. And um, I could I could have sat on my on my net, you know, with the gloves off and smoking a cigar and wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't be afraid. That's how good we were. Because if, for a half hour, every practice, that's what that's what we practice. Yeah. Hey, did you ever get that big hat and the convertible and the cigar that Jacques had? No. <laughs> no, no, because because Plant is the king. Yeah. You know, and um and uh I came up on the need him, but Plant is the king. So he deserved the car and the hat. Yeah. Uh, what was that appearance at the outdoor game like for you to walk back out there uh, again with the the equipment on? Oh, uh, that was Oh, uh, that was that was awesome. You know, that was awesome to first of all to get on the ice and we practiced a little bit, you know, but uh, my God, what was it, 10 years ago? You know, and, um, and uh, you know, to step on the ice. And at the time, uh, the outdoors, we had like 45,000 people cheering. And, you know, that feeling that I had when I played came right back. Can you believe that? It came right back and said, wow, this is awesome. So, so I, I told the, you know, coach, I said, I'm going to play. Five minutes, and that's it. Okay, five minutes. So um, I'm watching the clock. We're playing, you know, there's about 10 seconds left in the game. I'm watching the clock, and I have a shutout going. I have a shutout because they were kind to me, you know, with their shots. And I look, I look down again, and I said, my God, here comes Zuge on the breakaway. I said, yes. like this. I said, Gord, Lord, what are you doing to me? I got 10 <laughs> seconds to go, right? He comes down. And shot on my pads on purpose. Think about this. And of course, you know, the crowd went crazy, you know, like I, I made a great save. And um, it wasn't a great save. He shot on my pads. And I asked him after, as soon as we, before the face-off, I said, why did you do this? Because I do, right? And um, he said, my God, he said, um, he said, there's no way I would have gotten out of Philly alive, for God's sake. If I <laughs> <laughs> You know, seeing you out there uh, and the mask is yeah. is so memorable. But it was a, a simple mask, like the three stickers and mm -hmm. and just. But it was it was you. Uh, was that was that you? Like just to have the three stickers or? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, if you if you look at the uh, the first Stanley Cup when we won in '74, we only had um, we only had the um, um, and I'll show you here. I have a mask here behind me, if I could show you. There we go. There. Yeah. And now you have two stickers on this mask, okay? Now, now the 1974, when we beat the Bruins, I only had two stickers. And 1975, I had three. One on each side and one on top. Now. So, um, so they, uh, and then the mask, there's a little quick story about this. The, um, the mask was made in uh, Toronto. And um, so before practice, one day we're in Toronto for a couple of days. And um, this individual came in to um, set up the mask and they have to mold it to your face. Okay. And then think about this. Uh, this it's funny now, but it wasn't then. And then they put two straws. In front, in front of your mouth, and then they cover your eyes. You no, know, they have to do the inside of your um, eyeball, right? And um, then a couple of times, players would come in and put their fingers on the straw. 
<laughs> Think about this. Then I would pull the thing off, and it took about three hours to get the mask on, which it should have taken a half hour, for God's sake. <laughs> oh, that was funny, you know. Good guys. Yeah. As you look back on the career, Stanley Cups, Conn Smythe trophies, Vesna trophies, what are you proudest of? What do you what do you remember the most fondly? Well, you know, a, a you know, it's something you remember from from the beginning. What we've talked about, you know, and um, I, I, you know, I think about this sometimes, and um, and what took me from a 14, 13 year old kid to um, be part of an organization and a team that won two Stanley Cups, and and you know, let's face it, when you win trophies like this, a Conn Smythe, a Vesna, you know, it's you're very, I'm very proud to have my name on those uh, trophies. But, uh, you know, you, uh, let's be realistic. You win in life with good people surrounding you. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't have a good team, you don't win those trophies. You know, it's very important. But if you have a good team, and I have to say, you have a good goalie, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, you know, good things happen. So when, when I look at my life today, I look at the at, – um, um, uh, you know, how this thing happened is um, I'm a good friend of the universe. You know, very, very good friend. And whatever you think about, whatever you're asking universe, it just ask, very important here to share this. Ask the universe whatever you want once. That's all. And make it big. Universe is just like the ocean. If you get a cup of water, you won't change the ocean. So whatever you you uh, you want to have in life, you know, make it big and then drop it. And then how, when, and where will be shown to you at the right place at the right time? That's a beautiful way to live. It is. I I, I saw some video of you uh, visiting the Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And, and it made me wonder, you're so outgoing with the children. You didn't even give them a pause to, to want to talk to you. You just come and see me right now. Give me a hug. Uh, mm-hmm. So open, so inviting. Did did some of that harken back to your past when when maybe you were a youngster and didn't have the courage to go up to Mr. Plant as he arrived next door to his sister's house and you sort of didn't give the kids the opportunity to ever be too scared to talk to you, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? That's that's uh, you're, you're right on with this, and you know, with the ch- children, you know, hospital, you know, the, the young kids. It's a beautiful thing when you you come around and and. Um, you put a big smile on the on the um, young people like this. You know, you, you, there's no money they can buy this in the world. And my wife Jeannie does a tremendous um, job as setting things up like this. And uh, and uh, it, it, you know, it, it, it just it's very difficult to explain, but it's a beautiful, so rewarding to um, hug a kid and see them smile. And um, like I said, there's no money that could. Uh, could um, could duplicate that it's a great feeling so is uh bringing in a tuna uh where, how do you get into the fishing they uh well you know when i was a kid i used to fish in um in canada uh, lakes out north of montreal and and then when i came to philly then um, um i got introduced to uh, the ocean yeah and um and and that was, you know, right away, the first time I fished the ocean, I felt the magic in the ocean. That's a big body of water. You know? And you see porpoises, you see wells, and 
you know, you see mermaids, you know, you see all kinds. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, you see, you, you know, it's such a beautiful, such a beautiful, beautiful place to enjoy yourself. And again, you know, I learned from a, from a pro, you know, when how to read the weather, which is very important, you know, and, um, and the whole bit about the safety of the boat and stuff like this. So, um, so it's, it, it's all comes down to, Every step that I take, whatever it's fishing now or different things in life, there's always somebody who's not, who did it before, you know, and you find out who did it, what you're after, and who was successful at it, and then try to talk to them or duplicate them in some ways, and usually it turns out good. Would you have uh, Would you have liked to have been part of the shootout in your No, day? no. That was quick, quick answer. The reason, <laughs> the reason, the reason I I uh, I don't agree with this, you know, never will, is uh, because you win as a team and you lose as a team, you know, and um, and then we go, you play for sixty or seventy minutes or whatever as a team, sixty and then the three, uh, on, three. three on three, you know, and then the one individual uh, get lucky with the shot or whatever and and wins the game. I don't agree with that. You win or you lose as a team. Pretty active on social media, pal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, uh, yeah, my uh, wife does a tremendous, tremendous uh, job. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Again, it's a team effort, you know. And um, because let's face it, you know, I haven't played for a while. You know, it's been a while. And um, new generations came up. And if you don't go out there and, and, um, and present yourself or introduce yourself to the public out of sight, out of mind, you know? So, uh, so it's very, very important to um, stay active and she does a fantastic job. And, and you know what, and you know, she's, she's my, um, she's my agent, right? So she gets 40%. Now her mom <laughs> gave her birth. So she gets 40% and the dog gets 20. So I get nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who's, who's, who's your favorite goalie now uh, or post play well, you know what I, I, a lot of good goalies have come along but we have uh, we have a fantastic young goalie today a good combination we have uh, Hart and Elliot okay there's about yeah. there's about what 10 12 years between them yeah. uh, something like this yeah. and uh, there's no competition so guys help each other, and you could see this kid. This kid when I first met him, and um, what what is he six one? I think one hundred seventy five pounds. Uh, yeah. At least, yeah. At and least. and I, I I looked at him. And you could see in his in his eyes, you know, that um, he's a winning goalie. They're going to win the Stanley Cup with him. Great goalie. Elliot and Hart reminds me of you and and Quant in the in the age gap and being able to help yeah, each other. Yeah, it's out. just that I'm better looking than uh, Hart, but uh, we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, life is good. Huh? Were there guys in your day, other goaltenders that you uh, that you respected, other than Plant? Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, when I played, or uh, just watching, yeah. just watching. Yeah, not when you played either way. Yeah, way. they uh, well, when I was watching, you know, they had they had guys like uh, Glenn Hall, you know, Terry Sawchuk and Glenn Camp Worsley, yeah. Rangers, and um, you know they were uh, they were fan, you know, just just fantastic goalies. They played every night, you know, and they only had uh, you know, they had six teams. And when I played, 
you know, when I played you, uh, you know, we, uh, you, you had them. You know, you had so so many like Jack. I mean, for an example, for the Rangers, you know, I played all my career against him, and um, and you know, to beat the Rangers, to beat him, you had to be at your best. You know, so you're playing against great goalies; they bring the best out of you. That's that's a beautiful thing. Uh, would you take anything from the guys that you played against uh, as you moved along? Oh, yeah. Seven, oh, yeah. Because I always said, you know, I always believe that guys that are playing National Hockey League is because they have talent, you know, and uh, everybody has this one little town that is above everybody else, whatever it is, the way they handle the stick or, the, you know, the way they play the angles and stuff like this. And um, if you get something from each of those those players that you're playing against, then that adds up quite a bit to um, um, your system. You are rocking it. Who are you closest with on those teams oh. in Philly, and and are you still in touch with well, anyone? They, um, I start the uh, defenseman. You know, was very. Uh, you know, we joke and we had good times. But when the game started, we, uh, you know, was business, and um, and then you have Schultz, who. Um, um, took care of uh, yeah, problems if we had one. And uh, we had, in our days, I believe, we had the greatest uh, leader in Bob Clark. You know, that uh, really made a big difference. So so we, if, if you look at the puzzle here, we uh, we had all the pieces very well to uh, win the championship. And... and yeah, are you still in touch and, with them? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I take them out fishing. And also we had, you know what, I watch your games today. You know, watch your game last year and then when there's nobody in the stands and I feel bad, you know, because I, it's such a big, it's an important factor as a player because you, you're just like a performer on the stage. You know, when you go in the ice and you have 22,000 people cheering, you know what, that's it. You work hard the whole year to get in good position to have the home ice advantage. It makes a big difference. Now you're playing on an empty uh, building, and it's it's mm-hmm. going to be very very difficult for those guys to uh, to um, overcome that. I, I I know they are, but uh, it's going to take a lot of work to do it. Uh, a couple of things before we let you go. Uh, which ring are you wearing? I'm wearing both. Uh, you see, seventy seventy four on the right hand and seventy five left hand. Now let me tell tell you something about this, Bill Gates. You guys know, heard of Bill yes. Gates, right? He's, he's worth course. 100 billion. Okay. Can't buy these. You have to earn it. But I always said, if Bill Gates wants to come up to me and give me 20 million for each one, it's yours, baby. <laughs> <laughs> how did you get Let's in- hope he's listening. How did you get into business? Was it was a natural transition? Because you're pretty good. Uh, and and you've, got, you've got a lot of. Uh, uh, different things going. Well, you know, when, when, when I got, I ended my career, ended by uh, an eye injury, uh, the Flyers were so kind, you know, to give me a position with, uh, with the team, you know, and um, then became the goaltender coach, you know, which uh, something I enjoy because I could apply, uh, you know, share with the goalies what I had learned from Plant and everything worked out well. And then slowly I, uh, um, evolved in the, um, in the world of business with some, you know, some uh, uh, with the right people, some good people. And um, it, it's been a beautiful journey. 
You know, it's a uh, uh, when you trust people and you go and, and you associate yourself with the good people, good things happen. Uh, Hutch, can I just uh, jump in here to close off the interview? Is Jeannie around? Yes. Is is she close? Can she jump into the frame here? Because we want to thank her. Of course. And, uh, and acknowledge, of course. Uh, there you go. As well. There she is. This is the first time we've done this. Hi, yeah. how are you? Jeannie, thank, hey. thank you so much hey. uh, for for making sure that this happened. Uh, it's It's been uh, just a pleasure. Excuse thank me. you. Listen. Thank you. I, I was listening to most of it. It sounded great. You guys are awesome. Listen, you're talking, about, you. talking about a good vision. That's pretty good here, isn't yes. it? <laughs> yes. What mermaids were you looking uh, for? Don't, don't wake up, Bernie. Don't wake up. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you so you much, guys. Thanks. Thanks for Have everything. fun. Nico, thank you, my friend. Jeannie's the best. Absolute best. And Bernie, <laughs> it's just appropriate. It's episode 99. And he's number one in, in my heart. And he's also Santa. He just got, he's got the white beard. He's perfect for this time of the year. Yeah, he sure is. And, and we've seen even subsequently some photos of Jeannie and Bernie dressed up as Santa and Mrs. Claus and had various events around Philadelphia. Um, did want to mention Jeannie's the best. And if you're interested, uh, Bernie does have some memorabilia that he's, he's got available. Some of the signed Time magazine covers and some Time uh, excuse me, signed replica masks. And uh, their website isn't set up to handle it quite yet, but literally you can just email Jeannie, Jeannie at BernieParant.com. If you're interested in some of the memorabilia, you've probably seen some photos around. We'll have a, uh, something with this show as well. Um, but if, if you're a fan, um, great opportunity to get something from Bernie. If you weren't a fan, I, uh, hey, I if sent you, my email in. If you weren't a fan before that interview, you are now. I'm also a little bitter that I missed this one, and you guys are already going fishing with Bernie Perrant. Like, uh, I'm going to come to Philly and just, I don't know, like wave to you guys. No, this is, wave to no, you no, guys this from is the be dock. Like the Vegas thing. You're. Not, it's going to be like you shutting me out of Vegas trips. You're not coming. I'm, I'll, stay home. I'll, I'm gonna, I love I'll the fact away. that Hutch didn't even give him a chance to joke around. It was like you guys come out fishing next, and Hutch's like, we're in. There was no laughter after that one. We're in before you had a chance to take a take a breath. But he's uh, I don't even really like fishing all that much. I just want to hang out with Bernie. Hang out with Bernie. Uh, yeah, like the and the way he influenced Pelly Lindbergh and and you go through that story. It's it's a real connection both Bernie to his mentor in Jacques Plante and then Pelly to his mentor in in Bernie Perrant. There's an incredible synergy there. Well, I t you know what? Like, I'm probably jumping the gun here to tease one of our guests in the next couple of weeks as we come up to episode 100, and we've got a couple options, and we're still juggling. But one of the guys we'll be talking to in the very near future, Francois Lair, talked to me about Pelly Lindbergh and the ties to Patrick Waugh and some of the style elements that Patrick Waugh was asked to use in Montreal that he went away from with Francois Lair because he wanted to do it his way. The Habs asked him to be like Lindbergh, who had been influenced by Perrant very much in the, in not, I don't say old school, but in that, that more stand up style. Yeah. And Patrick wanted to be doing it a little differently. And, and in a lair, he had a coach that, that was for the perfect fit for that. So in that constant evolution and the synergy from one style to the next, um, it, you know, fascinating to have had that conversation earlier today with Patrick and then hear you talking about Perrant and Lindbergh and, to sort of see where the next iteration went with the Montreal Canadiens and and into what we we see now a lot more commonly and yet 
I'll, I'll leave it as an open tease. There is one thing that they all did well that hasn't changed from way back in those days to right now that it remains a key to good goaltending in the, in, in the words of Francois Lair, and that's somebody we'll be hearing from real soon here on the In Goal Radio podcast. The story about the outdoor game, the alumni game, and Ron Duguay have, having the breakaway, I was there, and the entire, it felt like the entire city stood up, but the entire stadium stood up like, oh my goodness, it's a breakaway on Bernie, and I, I absolutely remember that uh, moment. What, Bernie fan, but also the, the theater of it. And, and then Hutch, you went back and, and watched that game. I did. Yeah. No, Maddie and I were, were listening to the interview again and we, we, we got to check this out. And, and, you know, you said Bernie's a great storyteller. Yeah. If you go back and watch the game, he's an incredible storyteller <laughs> because I think the breakaway comes in about actually about halfway through his the appearance. Yeah. Right. And then he tells us the stories, ah, there's 10 seconds left. <laughs> 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 and maybe to him, he was hoping there was 10 seconds left at that point. But uh, yeah, no, what an amazing moment. That was that was so much fun to watch. And I got, we got thinking, talking again. You talk about all this evolution. What's, what's the next one? You know, what kid is out there today right. listening to this interview who might end up on a team someday with uh, Carter Hart, for example, and in Philadelphia? And well, think, from think about Carter Hart today. in the bubble meeting Carey Price for the first time yes, and then ended yes. up in that handshake line uh, at the end after narrowly defeating his, his idol. I mean, that's, yeah. ooh, there you are. Ooh, uh, ooh, you're, you guys are setting me up for another tease here. We're going to have some, we're going to have some equipment news coming up pretty soon. We might have, might, might have Carey and, and, and the guy who idolizes him in an announcement here in the very near future. So dun, 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 we'll leave that hanging. So as we wait for that, we have to get ready for the big day. And, and the, we're counting down the minutes here and we all get excited. Uh, we, uh, we have our kids, so we're ready to go. And if there are people out there that have procrastinated, Hutch, is there anything we can do? Uh, I don't know, guys. What could you do if it was last minute? This podcast is getting released 22nd, 23rd. So you're really running out of time. Hey, I know. Um, head over to ingolmag.com. Gift Perfect. subscriptions still available. We will deliver right up to Christmas Day. We'll do it boxing. You just order. We'll get it to who you need to get it to. You can download a gift certificate if you really want to have something uh, to put in the stocking under the tree. Or or if you didn't get the gift you want, right. you're listening to the podcast, you're, you're sort of moping, sitting on the couch, a little sad for yourself. Nobody even needs to know that you went and subscribed. Then you can sit there, hang out with a bunch of NHL guys and learn how to play goal. Little Johnny or Jackie not happy with what they got? You just forward that on to them. Uh, say it's it's Boxing Day or the 27th. There you go. And and they're not playing video games or anything like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, they're they're educating themselves on the, the world of goaltending. I like that. In the words of Elvis Merzlikens, if I had this website when I was a kid, I would be on it <laughs> all day and all night. Uh, and he's not joking around about that. Uh, Hutch, Woody. Uh, happy holidays. Uh, Merry Christmas to you both. Uh, you've become great friends. And uh, this is my favorite uh, point of the week where we get to sit around and talk goaltending. We'll have to do the after hours version too. That includes uh, what we talk about before and after the podcast when we're just shooting the breeze and none of us want to go back to real life. Uh, but uh, <laughs> make sure you guys are safe and happy and, uh, and enjoy your time with uh, your respective families. Same to you, Darren. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks to Bernie Perrant. 
What a thrill that was. And to everybody at the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, Source for Sports, Cam and the whole crew, uh, it's been a wild ride in 2020. Uh, we'll chat with you again one more time in this calendar year and then flip it over. The next time we chat, episode 100. You can't wait, I know, to see how we celebrate that milestone. It's going to be a big one. We'll chat with you again. Be safe.